welcome to another corn stream. I am your host, Joe Magician, and today we'll be continuing our journey east. East? Whichever way is east. Actually, no, wait, hang on. I might be able to figure this out. East is this way from where I'm sitting. Into the lands of mystery and magic. Ooh. I should have put up like, like some crazy disco lights or something that I did for that undying stream when I had like a rotating light behind me to like add to the mood. <laughs> That's what I should, uh, Also very ridiculous. So, so so far from the Riverlands and Stonehearts of Vengeance and even the Doom of Illyria that it may as well not exist. That's right. Today we'll be talking about the ancient city of a shy by the shadow. What secrets those darkened alleys hold and much, much more. To start off with, I thought we'd go for a quote from the character's POV for whom a shy comes up honestly the very most and it's, and it's a little weird and I wonder what George gonna be doing with that that is of course daenerys targaryen shy danny thought she would have me go to a shy will the ashai give me an army she demanded will it be gold for me in a shy will there be ships what is there in a shy that i will not find in karth truth said the woman in the mask and bowing she faded into the crowd that's more or less how george kind of presents a shy that there's something strange going on there there's a something about it that draws characters in that it seems to be almost like a nexus of knowledge like what's that phrase he used a hinge of the world it seems much like another hinge of the world very strange and if you go back and read through the books you'll find that almost every mention of a shy is from Danny's perspective. It's somebody talking to her about it or thinking about it, or it just kind of coming up in conversation. Basically, no one in Westeros thinks about a shy except for sometimes Tyrion. Then it starts coming up in Euron's chapters. But that's kind of it. It's basically Danny and a shy are kind of like this, which is a bit strange. I wonder what George is doing there. Fog machines? No, I'm not that ridiculous. Get out of here. <clears throat> so I think we should start off with, well, I wrote this. <laughs> I forgot I left this in my outline. So it said, where did you come from? Where did you go? A shy Cotton Eye Joe. So I couldn't think of a rhyme. And I just wrote a shy in front of Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> and then just left it there and totally forgot I did it. Ah, uh, cool stuff. Way to go, me. Really? <laughs> really setting a high bar there. So the first thing we should talk about is like, what exactly is a shy? I mean, obviously, it's an enormous... Just hit my thing. It is an enormous city on the tip of the Shadowlands called Ashai by the Shadow. Although the city itself is only called Ashai. By the Shadow is the rest of the peninsula it sits on, kind of, which is centered around the once mentioned city of Stigai, which uh, we'll get to later. Oh, I forgot about this. We had some super chats where the stream started. A 10 pounds from Ramona Zamfir. Thank you so much, Ramona. Really appreciate it. And then also on PayPal, Danny McKay sent in $5. He said, happy Saturday, happy Saturday, right back to you, Danny. Thank you. And then let's see here. Oh, one here for Maura Lee, $40. Wow, Maura, killing it. She says, hi, Matt, just to show love and support for both your awesome channels. Oh, yeah awesome channels i did start another channel it's called growing strong if you guys follow me on twitter or instagram i do uh, gardening in my spare time and i used to uh, make little short little videos and post them up on those things but i decided why not just put them on a youtube channel i should have the link but i didn't know she was going to mention it so i don't have it offhand right now but let's look for growing strong on youtube i guess and i think you could find it he asked some questions I believe that a Germisade that Melisandre is an under is a misunderstood character. Why is that? How do you think her story arc will end the last two books? Will it be similar to the show, or do you see a different ending for her? 
hugs from Mora. Thank you very much, Mora. I'm going to put that in my Melisandre section, uh, and we'll get to that one a bit later. But really appreciate it. Actually, maybe I should just find it. <laughs> should I just find my own YouTube channel? Yeah, it's literally just me gardening. It's nothing special. I have a vegetable garden. Nope, can't find it quickly, so I'm not going to do it. Maybe Danny will go to Ashai more, and that's why George made up Darkstar. I don't know the connection between Darkstar and Ashai, but Danny's not going there because George decided it was way, 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 way too far away. It would never make sense in the narrative for her to do it unless she basically just disappeared from the books for like three or four years. I know, such a good joke. I'm so glad I wrote that one in and then fix it. Oh yeah, that's right. It is on the on my featured channels. Uh, if you click on my main YouTube page, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just a little thing I do for fun. Anyway, thank you guys for the, the super chats and all that. So yeah, as I was just kind of referencing, there's few places in a known world that are as remote as a shy, but also populated and fewer are as forbidding. Oh, I didn't write this. This was a quote. Forgot to put the quote thing on it. Okay, so this is a quote from The World of Ice and Fire. <laughs> I was adding to I was adding to The World of Ice and Fire like it was something I wrote. This is going to be a good one today. A few places in the known world are as remote as a shy and a few are as, as forbidding. Travelers tell, travelers tell us that the city is built entirely of black stone. Halls, hovels, temples, palaces, streets, walls, bazaars, all. Some say as well that the stones of a shy have a greasy, unpleasant feel to it that it seems to drink the light, dimming tapers and torches and hearth fires alike. The nights are very black in Ashai, all agree, and even the brightest days of summer are somehow gray and gloomy. Doesn't sound like a great place. We have a few World of Ice and Fire bingo uh, squares going off here. So we have Greasy Blackstone, which is one of those things that a lot of people connect to ancient civilizations throughout the world of Planetos. Yes, Oily Blackstone. So that's what the entire city is apparently made out of. Bingo card going off for the world of ice and fire. There's basically no light there that it's for some reason it's very dark all the time, even though it doesn't really seem to have any natural reason for it. When we get to Stigai, there's reasons that you can maybe explain why the entire city is in the shadows, but not a shy. There's there's no reason for this. But for some reason, it, the city itself drinks the light. It's always dark. It's always dim. This is, again, setting up the idea that it is very, very, very magical, that there's something strange going on with the city, something unlike anywhere else in the world of Song of Ice and Fire. Because, yeah, there is greasy and oily black stone elsewhere, and there is the fused Blackstone that you see in other places like the Five Forts Battle Isle. There's some at Mokalen, but there's not like the huge number of structures here like there is in Ashai. It appears that there's a connection between all of them, at least in terms of the uh, the building structures. Like even if you fast forward from like Valyria, like with the Doom of Valyria, like we were talking about last week, and it was totally destroyed. Valyria is gone. You fast forward a few thousand years and you could probably track the demon roads and those kind of things within the rest of the world and figure out, you know, if you don't know what Valyria was, and if you don't know its name, you could look at the construction materials and the first architecture and be like, okay, well, so there, we could probably map out how far it got. It's a similar sort of thing that seems to be happening with Ashai. Whatever civilization built it also built other things around the world. It's Ashai Gurm's take on Mordor. A kind of, a little bit. I was going to, comparison I was going to make later is Minas Mordor. Ghoul. That that's kind of what it and Stigai seem to be like. Plagiarism in 40k. Oh no, is this in uh this kind of stuff in Warhammer 40k? Hmm. A shire, a shy, mind blown. Wow. 
Amazing. So through the moon door. Yeah, this uh, makes the connection that a lot of people make. Maybe Ashai was the capital of the great empire of the dawn. Whatever power led to its downfall is strongest there, like a curse type deal. But yeah, that, that's it seems to be the metropolitan center of some long fallen empire throughout history. Great empire of the dawn is basically the only one we know the name of. Uh, there's also the, the golden empire, I think, of E.T. They could have stretched all the way to Ashai, but most people think they were linked in some way. But even that seems a little tenuous because when you think about like thousands of years of empires like things kind of are connected like we we're talking last week about the fall of rome and byzantium and the western roman empire so byzantium kept going for quite a long time after the fall of the western empire so even though yes they were technically connected they diverged so far over time that it's, it was it'd be kind of unfair to say that like that they were even the same thing anymore to the point that europeans <laughs> started claiming that they were the real Roman Empire. You get the Holy Roman Empire, you get Charlemagne. Everyone tried to essentially resurrect the Western Roman Empire, but that's besides the point. Yeah, that, that's generally the connection that is made. <clears throat> so this is also beyond like the architecture and connections to other places in the world. It seems to be a very wild place that screams horror and fantasy at the reader at a very tangible level. Like when you look at Westeros, maesters and the general people don't think that there's magic anywhere in the world anymore. Bran is specifically told by Maester Lewin that like, the stories are stories. The legends are legends. They never existed. <clears throat> Magic has left the world or it never existed at all. They were old wives tales. But Ashai kind of serves as almost like the tomb of magic in the world. It's basically like it's like a nexus point of everything that some maester in Westeros says doesn't exist. It's probably in Ashai and still going on. Uh, Isabella Mako, it screams fucked up. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. We also know that Ashai is a truly enormous city, far bigger than any city in the world George has designed has any right to be. Uh, this is the quote for it. Ashai is a large city sprawling out for leagues on both banks of the Black River, Black River Ash. Behind its enormous land walls is ground enough for Volantis, Karth, and King's Landing to stand side by side and still have room for Old Town. So this must be a uh, reporting by Marwin the Mage. But basically think about that. King's Landing is a pretty big city. It's got something like 500,000 people in it. Karth is also enormous. So is Volantis. We've seen characters walk through them. Old Town as well. And Shy is basically all of them put together and then more. <laughs> it's it's honestly the size of like a mega sprawl city like we see in modern times. Uh, something like the New York or London or Tokyo. It's it's just an enormous, enormous place. And the thing that's so strange is that it doesn't nowhere else in the world does there seem to be a need for this. There doesn't seem to be a need to house this many people. There aren't that many people in the world, to be honest. If you look across George's um, maps of the world, it's fairly depopulated, largely because of the Dothraki and the Valyrians, but also everywhere you look, there's ruins. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, and there's just like small pockets of people living everywhere. Now you could explain this with the effects of like the Long Night and the Dragon Lords and all that other kind of stuff. That makes a lot of sense. But for one city to be the size of the four biggest cities currently existing and then have still have room, it leads you to the idea that there was something very strange and something very special going on in Ashai. Oh yeah, 124 people watching so far. A 73 likes. Slam that MF and like button, guys. We get up to, somebody asked earlier, the Gandalf hat. 150 likes for Gandalf hat. 175 for the old Gurmy hat, which is uh, sitting behind me. Oh, that reminds me. Um, sorry, I completely, my, my brain spaced out about this. I was going to say who won the 
uh, shirt from last week on the Doom of Valyria stream, I asked people to name their favorite dragon. And then I was I picked somebody randomly that did that in order to get themselves a free uh, shirt from my threadless shop like this one here, my ass waffle. Who was it? It was, oh, Jamie Soto. I don't know if she's watching today. I'm going to leave a comment on it and try and get in touch with her. She said, Maraxi is my favorite dragon for the watch. LOL. I meant the shirt. There you go. Tweet Melissa says, it reminds me of the Elderling cities from the Hobbs realm of the Elderlings. Their cities were huge because they shared city of dragons. Yeah, I'm going to get into a little bit about what these cities are reminiscent of, but definitely fantasy cities. Shy seems like a a city out of another world, something that doesn't belong here, that it like sort of popped out of uh, nowhere, which kind of makes sense because when you get to Eastern Essos, a lot of these places, a lot of these references, like you get Carcosa, you get Kadath, you get Lang, what is it, Perkun, and the uh, actually a bunch of cities, Sarnor, all these are from other stories. These are cities and places that George has plucked out of his favorites and dropped into his own, largely because he doesn't intend to do anything with them, so it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> it, ba- most of them are basically just Easter eggs. But yeah, let, let's go. Let's go into this a little bit more. So, so the weird thing is this: it has this massive, massive city, walls and buildings that could fit probably millions of people, and yet almost nobody lives there. Like Shy is basically empty. So here's the quote. Yet the population of Shy is no greater than that of a good sized market town. By the nights, the streets are deserted. Only one building in 10 shows a light. Even at the height of day, there are no crowds to be seen. No tradesmen shouting their wares in noisy markets. No women gossiping at a well. Those who walk the streets of Ashai are masked and veiled and have a furtive air about them. Oft as not, they walk alone or ride in palanquins, palanquins of ebony and iron, hidden behind dark curtains and borne through the dark streets on the backs of slaves. And there are no children in Ashai. People are having problems with chat. I would just, I would give the the screen itself, just give it a, a refresh, see if it comes back up. So Ashai might have been where the main meteors from the blown up moon fell. No, that doesn't seem to be the case. It's not blown up. It's not a crazy or anything it's just it's just a large city from uh carved black stone don't really not really an explanation of where they came from i know people have tried to figure out what kind of stone the greasy black stone the oily black stone is and the the long story short is that it's from lovecraft that george borrowed it, it's not real it's supposed to be magical space stone basically sometimes space stone sometimes it's made by the the old ones or whatever it's just kind of like he flips back and forth uh, so what we have here is basically it's it's, it's an empty city but it's also almost a a corpse of a city, like the bones of some long forgotten civilization that has been totally unwilling to die. Or another way of saying it, it's a white city. (laughs) White city, W-I-G-H. Good joke? No, not really a good one. As we talked about last week with Valyria, uh, this sounds a lot like what happened after the doom of Valyria itself. There's a mighty civilization that has eroded away to almost nothing, but you can still see the kind of the shape of it remaining long after the power was gone and the architecture and those kind of things. There's also something very odd going on about a shy, and that is you can't drink the water or eat local wildlife. All food in the, and water in the city has to be imported, which informs why there's almost nobody there. You have to be wealthy to survive in a shy, and those who don't starve to death. So that kind of keeps the population down. But it certainly adds the idea that there's some kind of corruption that's been done on the city, that there's something off about it. There's also all animals that are brought in Inside the walls die very quickly, whether they get butchered for meat or they die from some weird disease. Not really sure what's going on there. There's also a quote about the river Ash that it's it says it's black, but that's not figurative language. That's not like 
it's black just because everything around it is dark. The water itself is actually like black, like oil or something, which probably informs why you can't drink it. But the other strange thing is that at nighttime, water, the river ash glows green, which okay, glowing green is not usually a good thing, but it, it can have a natural origin. There are bioluminescent algae around the world that will glow green or blue. You often see it in pictures along beaches and stuff like that. But yeah, a green glowing black water sounds very sounds very not cool. But yeah, this could be another way of George communicating that this place has been fouled by magic or corruption or pollution. Something like that. Green water is kind of a trope for like toxic water, water that has had like crazy chemicals dumped into it or like nuclear fallout or something like that. So this is <laughs> just one of those things where people look at the descriptions of a shy and think this means Song of Ice and Fire is uh, sci-fi because maybe there's like a nuclear reactor that exploded and they dump pollution from factories, modern factories into the river ash. And that's what's causing it. I don't think that's what's what it's supposed to be. I think George is just kind of um, using descriptive language to mark the fact that there is something amiss with a shine a way we would understand. What kind of fish are there, I w you wonder? Good question, John Taylor. Blind ones that have mutated and you can't eat. Not good. Yeah, kind of like Blackwater Bay. Good call, Mikey Kizzles. The idea of Blackwater Bay that is very dark from the mud and also glows green uh, with the wildfire after it explodes, that could be something George is trying to hone in on there. That there's something magical and wrong. Yeah, the fish... You can't eat them. Don't even know how they survive. Don't even know how they find each other being blind and having like three eyes and two heads and nothing. There's nothing good about a shy. Everything about a shy sucks. This place sounds terrible. Impalabagus? Impalopagus? Gonna give that one a, a run up and miss at that one. You could also uh, think about it having a Mirkwood-esque vibe. A Tolkien said that all beasts were foul and eaten Mirkwood. The river was black and enchanted made sense that way. Yeah, that's probably a good connection. That may be what George is going for. Kind of like a Mirkwood thing that's a that's a, a running idea in lord of the rings that demonic corruption literally fouls the land itself like the lands and mordor are not they weren't awful before sauron and morgoth got there they are awful because they are there that their corruption literally warps reality and makes it unusable <laughs> you can find parking space in a shy yeah you can find all the parking you can find a house in a shy if you want good luck eating and drinking though that's that'll be a problem there's another like sort of in-universe connection you can go with here a large empty stone city with sorcerers and a dwindling population that sounds a lot like the children of the forest with their massive cave structures the green seers the fact that they're basically dwindling to nothing who knows if there are any actual like baby children of the forest out there anymore uh they're just kind of hanging on by magic and weirdness the it seems like maybe this is a human version of the children of the forest or the they're meant to echo each other in a certain way <clears throat> uh so that's kind of the city itself but like where is it this is this is actually kind of hard to pin down because the location of a shy has changed throughout the books largely because this is something that get that drives people crazy who try and like track troop movements and how long it takes from here to here or to figure out the mileage and they're making like maps and like they're trying to do timelines and stuff like that sorry about the coughing so in a game of thrones westeros is pretty small and then as the books have gone on it has essentially inflated in size by several thousand miles and the same thing kind of happened to a shy itself where in a game of thrones daenerys is told about a shy over and over and over again jorah offers it he says like 
hey, you can go. We we don't have to go west. We don't have to go to Karth or anything weird. We can go to Ashai. I'll take you there. This will be great. It's brought up by Alira Mopatis. That's where he says he got his dragon eggs from. Probably not. He probably got them from whoever bought them from Melissa Farman. So Ashai was initially probably in George's mind a lot closer to uh, Western Essos. But as the stories grew, as the world of ice and fire grew, as he as his imagination went wild, he just sort of kept pushing it east and east and east and east and east to the point where it is currently. If you go to a map of the entirety of Plantos at the moment and you essentially take Westeros as like how many Westeros is away is, is a shy from King's Landing. It's about two and a half Westeros is laid side by side all the way across to get from King's Landing to a shy. It could not be further away. It's on the east farthest east map there is actually if you look at it slaver's bay which is very far from westeros is closer to king's landing than it is to a shy it's he could like as i was saying he could not have put it further away from the story there's no chance that where it currently is danny could ever get there but initially that kind of was the plan george was toying with the idea remember he was going to jump the narrative forward by quite a few years that would give giving him time to send danny there didn't end up happening sylvan lore says it's not just a shy all of the furthest east is weird yes it is it's like someone drew a line from north to south east of the thousand islands fisher misshapen and foul kadath winged men that's what i'm talking about those everything to the east of the bone mountains more or less bone mountains is essentially inserts from other fantasy worlds so they are wild and they can be wild because george is never going to write them nobody's going to kadath nobody's going to sarnor nobody's going to shy honestly nobody's going to these places so he can make them as weird and wild as he wants because they essentially exist in myth and legend within the story itself but they're basically just other books that are layered onto his own yes the story grew in the telling the story grew in a geography grew every Everything grew in the telling. <laughs> it would have been cool to send Danny to a shy, but yeah. If you go to the Song of Ice and Fire search engine, if you guys don't know that, it's a wonderful thing. It allows you to search the entire books for quotes and that and that kind of stuff. But if you tune in the word a shy, I don't think it's until a clash of kings or maybe a storm of swords that somebody mentions a shy that isn't Daenerys. And I think that's only because Melisandre starts showing up. Yeah, deep into these very far eastern lands of Plantos, like I said, they're they're essentially like portals to other worlds of fiction. So you have cities from Lovecraft, you have cities from Robert W. Chambers, Michael Moorcock, Robert E. Howard. Actually, someone just said that in the chat. Another good reference for Shy is the city of, not going to pronounce that, from Red Nails by Robert E. Howard. Yeah, George loves Robert E. Howard. That's the uh, Conan the Barbarian author. All of these places, all of these references are all literary references, basically. But even more east of all those places, even deeper into the weirdness that is Far East Essos, that is literally other fantasy worlds intruding on this one, there stands a shy the strangest of them all if you look at the geography itself it sits at a choke point going east through the jade sea which is where uh, Lang is and E.T. into the Saffron Straits and the strange continent of Ulthos. That's right. There's another continent you didn't know about. <laughs> if you look at the world maps, there's uh, these are the informal names. Westeros, Essos, Sothorios, and Ulthos. Some people think what's west of Westeros is in the fandom nicknamed America Os basically that there's probably north and south america sitting out there but george has not written it in yet oh really a shy comes up in brand three what do you know but the vast majority of them are daenerys so yeah there's another continent out there called Ulthos, which just barely barely gets into the screen on the the mass that i've drawn so if you look at the map of planetos 
It's basically actually the name Planetos is another fan invention. It's actually called Earth. That's the name of the planet they're on because it's here. It's like it's an alternate universe version of our real world. And that's what you get when you look at the the world map. A lot of the geography is just kind of like stretched and weird versions of what the real world looks like. So Westeros itself is essentially uh, the British Isles plus Ireland kind of smashed together. Correct. Congratulations. You got Westeros. Essos is Europe and Northern Asia for the most part. Like Valyria is sort of like a Greece and Italy. Sothorios is meant to be Africa. And Ashai, where it, um, where it sits and the way it sticks out into the Jade Sea, it's supposed to probably be India, but it could also be something like uh, Vietnam or that kind of area. Some things are moved around in strange ways. Like for instance, ET is meant to be China basically, but it's actually further west than, than Ashai itself. It's kind of to the northwest of Ashai. So it appears that he took that and moved it from where it would be in the real world. That's Plantos and it's canon. George calls it Earth. That's the name of his world. He does. He hasn't given it a funny fantasy name like some authors do. But yeah, that, that's basically what you can imagine. Real. What is real world Ashai? It's probably India, but it could be also... Like like Vietnam, Cambodia, that kind of the Southeast Asia part of the world. And it sits right there <laughs> on the trade routes going west to east, which was, a, of course, a real thing in our world. And that kind of informs why Ashai, when it was not by the shadow, when it was a real city, why it got so wealthy. Well, it sits directly, directly on top of an important strait if you're trying to go east of it. That's kind of the same thing that happened with Karth. If you've ever wondered why Karth, which is surrounded by a desert, and seems like it kind of sucks. Why is it so wealthy? Why are they so great? Well, it's because it sits right at the Straits of Karth. There's a narrow water region, a narrow strait essentially that goes between it and an island just to its south. And a Karth has essentially used its navy to, they use their navy to essentially enforce tariffs and taxes on ships that want to go through. Because if you want to go the far way around, not only does it take more time, but it's more dangerous. You're getting closer to Sothorius, you're getting closer to pirates. So it's kind of like going through the, the Panama Canal and the uh, Suez Canal, the recently very famous Suez Canal with the Ever Given. That's basically how Karth made its money. And it's essentially what it looks like Ashai was doing too. They essentially just took military control of the of the Saffron Straits going through the Jade Sea and just made a massive port right there and just made bunches of money waiting for trade ships to come through. And that seems to have continued to the present day. Ashai still makes a lot of money by being a port city. Not for like food and water though. Nobody stopped stopping in there to stock up. They stop in there for gold and gems and that kind of stuff. Guilty Undertaker. Why produce when you can tax? The Ashai way. Also the Carthine way. Singapore's geograph geographical position is somewhere. Yeah, Southeast Asia, India. I'm not sure which one George meant it to be. We haven't actually seen any Ashai people. We've only seen them with their masks. So it's if you even want to use like like facial features to figure it out. I don't really know. There's not a lot of information. It's just somewhere down there. <laughs> But like, it's it's not going to be exact anyway, because as I said, he moved China from where it's supposed to be further west, basically, so that would be on the world map, I guess. Yeah, so it was a it was a powerful trade city. That's why it got so big. But also the weird magical stuff. But that could also be something like Old Town, where Old Town is a powerful economic port city, basically, that sits at the bottom of the of the reach. And all the food and trade going in and out of there has to go through it down the Mander. It seems like the same thing used to happen with Ashai, with the Ash River going all the way up into Stigai and into what you, the Shadowlands, whatever they used to be called. And it just, much like Volantis, 
you know, it's it's just a massive, massive port city that made lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, this probably tells you the size of the empire that used to be there, since it's about five times the size of Old Town, or five times the size of Old Town. So uh, you can imagine that it would be something closer to like a modern, like a modern civilization in terms of how much land was being used and how they used it. And it was a, uh, a magical use, basically. <laughs> Galaxios, there we go. Universos, not the Thousand Worlds, though. Not that one. Not the Thousand Worlds. Zero five thirteen LDK. Are you a Star Wars robot? Are you a, a drone or a droid? If anything I'm more interested in Stigai than a shy? I feel like a shy is affected by whatever happened in Stigai, but more the symptom instead of the cause of the badness in the shadow. Yeah, a shy is by the shadow. A shy is not the shadow. Uh, we'll get to Stigai in a little bit. So let's talk more about the rest of this whole area. What's going on in around a shy? what's going on in these shadowlands so this is everything north of a shy east of lang east of et and south of the oh god what are they called the bone wastes or something hang on let me see if i can find this everything south of the city of the winged men and bone town everybody likes going to bone town the gray wastes a kadath yeah so it's everything in that area is called the shadowlands it's perpetually dark much like a shy it is inhospitable there's few things that grow there's almost nobody that lives there um <clears throat> Basically, it's empty. Somebody earlier in the chat said, is it like Mordor? Yes, you can consider the Shadowlands Mordor, more or less. If that's if that's the mental image you want, you got it. That's the Shadowlands. Yes, the Grey Wastes. Yeah, we're all going to the Bone Town, east of the Bone Mountains. Sex jokes. George can, can uh, resist himself. Makes a lot of sex jokes in his books. The other thing, the only thing that really grows in the Shadowlands is this weird grass called ghost grass. It's essentially a giant white grass that overwhelms and kills all local fauna or flora flora so all local grasses all local plants it shows up chokes them out kills them and takes it over and it's ghost grass that doesn't i mean that sounds shitty but like okay maybe you can use it for something can use ghost grass for anything it is useless animals won't eat it humans can't eat it it is just a useless giant weird white plant oh jamie soto is here hey jamie uh, yeah you won that shirt i'll send you uh if you want to send me a dm or something i'll reply to your comment we'll get you that code so you can get yourself your own ass waffle shirt <laughs> is ghost grass smokable yes or no <laughs> uh Good question. Well, it's essentially like a giant large weed. They had these in California, actually, when I used to live out there. I'm guessing that's what George is talking about. I forget the name of it, honestly. Uh, I don't even know if I knew the name, but they're essentially these this is giant stalks of grass that overtook everything. And they would end up being hard and useless. And essentially, they would just get plowed under every once in a while. Good question, though. Could you burn ghost grass? I guess so. Maybe everyone will get really stoned and start seeing, like, maybe... maybe that's shade of the evening like half shade of the evening trees and then some ghost grass kind of like chopped up like you were um <laughs> like you were using chives <laughs> something like that but yeah ghost grass sucks it kills everything it grows <clears throat> out from a shy apparently out from the shadowlands this is the quote we have about it down in the shadowlands beyond a shy they say there are oceans of ghost grass taller than a man on horseback with stalks as pale as milk glass it murders murders now notice this okay so this quote says murder not kill it's assigning intention to this the ghost grass is attacking it wants to kill things it's enjoying it it murders all other grass and glows in the dark with the spirits of the damned yikes don't smoke that shit the dothraki claim that someday ghost grass will cover the entire world and then all life will end yikes 
A star thistle? I've never heard of that one. There are no trees in the Shadowlands, apparently. It is just ghost grass. <laughs> but don't smoke the ghost grass. Apparently, you will bring about the end of the world if you do. So this is another quote about the ghost grass. It says, despite its forbidding aspects, a shy by the shadow has for many centuries been a thriving port where ships from all over the known world come to trade, crossing vast and stormy seas. Most arrive laden with foodstuffs and wine, for beyond the walls of Shy, little grows sa save ghost grass, whose glassy, glowing stalks are inedible. If not for the food brought in from across the sea, the Ashai would have starved. So yeah, that's not great. Yeah, Mordor. This is Mordor with a weird grass on top of it. It glows with the shadows of the dam, so it's a white grass. Probably more like PCP, God help us. Actually, somebody should make a weed variety called ghost grass. <laughs> So let me get Wolfman Zack on it. He'll do it for us. But the shadow itself is not from a shy. A shy essentially lives by the shadow in the shadow, but it's not where it comes from. The shadow seems to emanate from the north of a shy in the Shadowlands from this rune city called Stigai, uh, called the corpse city at the heart of the shadow. That's basically all we know about Stigai. That's basically all we got. It has a one sentence reference. And then basically we hear about what it's like there. The shadows of the Shadowlands are centered in Stigai and it's called a like a once great city is overrun with demons. Here's the quote. On its way from the mountains of the morn to the sea, the ash runs howling through a narrow cliff in the mountains between towering cliffs so steep and close that the river is perpetually in shadow, save for a few moments at midday where the sun is at its zenith. In the caves that pockmark the cliffs, demons and dragons and worse make their layers. The farther from the city one goes, the more hideous and twisted these creatures become until at last one stands before the doors of Stigai, corpse city at the at the shadow's heart where even the shadow biters fear to tread or so the or so the stories say okay so apparently now my chat everybody in my chat's now gonna try and find gross grass and smoke it to see what happens so i guess next week we're gonna have significantly less people watching because they will all be dead rest in peace everybody see you in bone town i guess <laughs> rest in peace chat. can we get some ones in chat for everybody that's gonna die from smoking uh ghost grass so at this point if you've read a lovecraft's work or if you've read tolkien's work a alarm bell should be going off in your head like crazy just like constantly and without end this is lovecraft and this is tolkien being merged into one everything about these giant empty cities cities of demons ghost grass these like impossible pop uh, populations eternal darkness is straight out of lovecraft's playbook and that makes a lot of sense to the north of ashai what's up there the north of ashai and stigai well you have kadath which is the city of the gods from from hp lovecraft home to the crawling chaos neolarthotep to the west is lang which is also a lovecraft import uh, the frightening plateau of Ling where monsters and terrible demons dwell. So sandwiched between those two places is a shy itself. And then also we have the Tolkien inspirations. We have the uh, ruined city of Minas Morgul, which is once known as Minas Ithril. Tolkien loved the idea of evil corrupting the land and the land becoming corrupt in Tamirit, essentially. So that's what happened. So Minas Morgul, if you remember from the movies, that's where the Witch King makes his home. That weird, big, green, glowing city that shoots that light into the sky and then he flies out on his fell beast. That's Minas Morgul. That used to be a, a fortress in a city of Gondor called Minas Ithra, which got taken over. And then the corruption of Sauron and the Witch King was so, was so overwhelming 
that the land and the fortress itself literally twisted to become like corrupted and evil. So I think that's basically what's going on here. The once white city and bastion of humanity has become a city of horrors shrouded in shadow glowing ominously and haunted. That sounds like a shy. That sounds like stick high. This is basically how Ennis Morgul is described in Lord of the Rings. This is also how uh, most of Lovecraft's evil cities are described. So there's one in the Mountains of Madness that is basically the same thing. Kadath, as I talked about, Lang. Not really Sarnor. Sarnor was destroyed in its story. But you know, Lovecraft writes about it like these all the time. These are essentially like cities of the old ones from other dimensions or like weird alien beings that they came down and they made these giant eternal cities and then had to leave or they had to go into hibernation or they're, they're sleeping and waiting. Sleeping and waiting is usually the big one. Like that's where uh, Cthulhu sleeps. He sleeps in Nyalotha, I think that's what it's called. And then in one of the stories, they go there and they find him. And it's like a big city of weird pyramids. And nobody lives there except for Cthulhu who comes out of a temple and like their brains explode, that kind of thing. So if you're looking for like what the hell is going on with the shy, like why doesn't it make any sense? Why is it so strange? It's probably because you haven't seen these other stories yet. It makes a lot more sense once you see them. It's like, yeah. You ever want to if you want to read the stories and you'll instantly recognize them so it's a dream quest of unknown kadath the mountains at the mountains of madness the call of cthulhu you'll see everything that i've been talking about a shy shows up in those stories Actually, I got a good quote here about Minas Morgul from Lord of the Rings. A long tilted valley, a deep gulf of shadow ran back far into the mountains. Upon the further side, some way within the valley's arms, high on a rocky seat upon Ethel Duath, stood the walls and towers of Minas Morgul. All the dark was about it, earth and sky, but it was lit with light. Not the light welling through the marble walls of Minas Ithril long ago, barren radiant in the hollows of the hills. Holler indeed than the moon ailing in some slow eclipse was the light of it now wavering and blowing like a noisome ex exhalation wait ex exhalation of decay a corpse light a light that illuminated nothing so there you go <laughs> that's that's where it came from where does the concept of an evil city come from um not really sure i'm sure there's some fantasy long forgotten fantasy books or authors or some sort of myths or legends that are about that kind of thing but you know george is not he doesn't have like a total knowledge of all things He's read this. He's read the authors he has, and he talks about them a lot. It's not really you don't have to search hard to figure out what his influences are. He'll just tell you. He'll tell you he loves H.P. Lovecraft. He loves J.R. Tolkien. He loves Robert E. Howard. Um, so these these authors have their elements of their story show up all the time in his own. <clears throat> oh, how far are we from the hat? So we have 128 likes. 22 more of you slam that like button. We'll go full Gandalf through the stream. <laughs> Oh, that's right. The Bible did have evil cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Yeah, ring rakes are basically white walkers, although he does borrow his white walkers from Memory, Sorrow and Thorn by Tad Williams as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of different influences, but you don't have to hunt for them. They're not like secret. He just tells you. You go read those stories. You read a song of ice and fire. and It's like, oh, that's what he meant. That's what he's doing. OK, now it makes sense. So that's a shy and stigai. So let's go into who lives there, who lives in the Shadowlands in a shy. So the native population of the Shadowlands are called Shadow Men. Very clever. So these men, the Shadow Men, are heavily tattooed from head to toe, and they all wear these kind of weird red lacquer masks that we see from 
a Quaithan cart. That's not a Quaith thing. Apparently all native Ashai, as many as there are, wear these things. But due to the fact that we are talking about like the geography and what's going on with Ashai these days, due to the lack of food and water, ghost grass, and the Shadowlands choking out everything that could pass for food for the native populations, the Shadow Men, the ones that aren't traders, are essentially known as Raiders and Reavers, they're essentially like the Ironborn or kind of like the Dothraki. They'll venture out of the Shadowlands to raid mostly the eastern parts of E.T. It's also noted that apparently nobody lives in or if there is, nobody sees them because they're too scared of the place. Yeah, Carl Karsnark. Tolkien borrowed, lifted, named places directly from his source materials too, most notably the names of the dwarves and the Hobbit and Gandalf's name. Yeah, everybody borrows from everybody. It's not a dig at, at George. It's just like explaining where the stuff comes from. Why does he like it? Because he read this stuff when he was a kid and it's stuck in his brain, much the same as everybody else. Then we have this quote here about who lives in a shy dark city by the shadow is a city steeped in sorcery, warlocks, wizards, alchemists, moon singers, Red priests, black alchemists, necromancers, aromancers, pyromancers, blood mages, torturers, inquisitors, poisoners, god's wives, night walkers, shape changers, worshippers of the black goat and the pale child and the lion of night, all find welcome in a shy by the shadow where nothing is forbidden. <laughs> Here they are free to practice their spells without restraint or censure, conduct their obscene rites, and fornicate with demons if that is their desire. Most sinister of all sorcerers in Ashai are the shadow binders, whose lacquered masks hide their face from their eyes, uh, from the eyes of gods and men. They alone dare to go upriver past the walls of Ashai into the heart of darkness. So we, you get the idea here. The quote that jumps to mind is, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. It is magic most eisley. <laughs> Basically, most likely spaceport in uh, Star Wars. That's kind of what George is, is kind of prodding you to remember here. Yes, that's right. Frodo's father is named Drogo. Yeah. So going through that list, some of them stick out. Some of them, some of them we know already. So warlocks, wizards, alchemists, red priests, black alchemists. Don't know what that means. How how could you alchemy evilly? Don't really know what that means. Necromancers, aromancers. So those are wind wizards. Actually, George writes about those in other books. I think there's one called Windhaven that he wrote with, forget, Melinda Snodgrass, I think. I think that contains aromancers. Pyromancers, so fire mages, blood mages, torturers, wizards. So those are like religious fanatics. God's wives. Don't really know what's going on with that one. I don't know what a night walker is. Shape changers is pretty obvious. So maybe werewolves live there. Worshippers of the black goat. So black goat is from Kohor. The pale child is the pale child backlon, which is an Easter egg for another one of George's stories. In the thousand worlds, one of the gods that people worship there is the pale child backlon, which is essentially a baby with a flaming sword. So, you know, get on board with the baby. Maybe with the flaming sword. Uh, the band isn't nearly as good as the one at Mos Eisley. Yeah, mo nobody can really uh, do as good as uh, Max Rebo. But you know, the Lion of Night. So that's a that's an E.T. God. So another way, if you want to think about it, if you remember the like Blade series or the Matrix, imagine those, but fantasy, like the, the weird clubs full of people doing like every horrible thing you've ever heard of. That's basically a shot. How can you alchemist evilly? Oh, yeah. Full metal alchemist. That's right. So maybe there's like maybe scars in there or maybe Ownheim of Light or the uh, homunculi are there. Yes, that's right. I've seen full metal alchemist. I am. A, I am a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, there probably are vampires there. George likes vampires. He has written 
about vampires and werewolves and other stories. The other weird thing about a shy is that there's <clears throat> there's no children in a shy. No animals can live there, but also no kids. So that's kind of a weird one. So why would there be no kids? This is actually a question that. Oh, thanks for the follow, Chris Bivens. This was a question from Eric for Eric Ferg from uh, the Slack. He said, "Oh wait a second, wait, who asked this one? Oh no, Morally asked this one. <laughs> I'm sorry, she asked this on Patreon. She said, why are there no children? Why do animals not survive long in the environment of a shy by the shadow?' So there's a few things going on." for why there would be no children. Shy has no natural way of feeding or getting water to its population. Basically, the only people that live there essentially are slaves. So it's extremely inhospitable. So if you had a child, this is not where you would raise them. We also know that there's so many sorcerers and weird magicians in Ashai that it's quite possible that any children get sacrificed. So yeah, probably. Melisandre really likes burning kids. I don't think she picked that one up on her own. Do you? No, probably not. That's probably a thing that they know about. Blood sacrifice is a real thing in this one. And there's a lot of magicians here, so and sorcerers. So I would guess that there that if there are any children being born, they probably get sold and sacrificed to do magic. I mean, even Varys, his story about how he got his he got his penis cut off as a as a little kid by a warlock to throw into the flames. Okay. So yeah, think about that happening in the shy. <laughs> oh, the seed lands. Amanda. Hey, Amanda, how's it going? I hear the school districts aren't that great in the shy either. Yeah, school's not great. No soccer, no t-ball, not daycare. They might sacrifice your kid to the black goat. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't keep them there. But honestly, like this, this is not a a place that lives on based on like any sort of biological need. By all accounts, they should have abandoned a shy. They import food and water because because there is none. It should have broken down. Yeah, it occurs. Frank says civilization is broken out entirely there. Yes. It should not exist. So I'm guessing that's part of it. Like you'd have to be an idiot to want to have a child. There are magicians and sorcerers that would probably buy them to sacrifice them. But there's also um, this is something I want to do. I'm going to do a video about in the future. But one thing that you should keep in mind with George is that as he depicts magic users in his world, they all kind of seem to have like the same goal. Basically, they're all trying to get to the point where they can beat death or they can be undead in some way. And then in a way, that's what a shy is it's an undead city it should be dead it's like blood raven with the with a root coming out of his skull and and grown through his uh, through his legs or the undying of karth with their giant blue heart that beats and they're like weird dried blue corpse things but they're not dead yet there's a long-standing theme that all of this goes to the same place nobody wants to die therefore use magic to avoid that so i've thought for a while that part of the reason maybe there's no children in a shy is because it's populated mostly by the undead or people that have extended their lives that do not like functionally work anymore think of like an entire city of barracks something like that like maybe it's maybe it's mostly fire whites or it's a bunch of cold hands is running around like undeath exists people are trying to beat it this is the place where all the magic in the world is condensed like why wouldn't there be undead people in a shy i think that makes the most sense to me i think i think you can make a really good comparison between the undying and everything we learn about a shy
Jojen paste again. Yeah, Jojen paste. People people do weird cannibalistic things in this world, and they do it for magic, and they do it for mad and for power. So yeah, I'm guessing that's part of the reason there's no children in a shy. It's a city of the dead, like literally a city of the. Dead. That's probably why this goes into another question. People ask like why they wear masks. Well, maybe because they look horrific. Maybe because they're like hundreds of years old and their faces have like essentially like rotted away, or they look like Blood Raven, or they look like the Undying. But they don't want anybody to know that so what do you do you wear heavy robes you wear veils you wear a mask and you essentially get to go about your business but nobody sees the undead parts of you like cold hands when he sees bran he essentially keeps up his hood all the time and the assumption is that his face is like gross Not, you don't <laughs> oh i'm sorry we just hit the hit the mark gandalf hat time so that's going to be a theory i'm going to go into more in the future i'll make it more cinematic and like a better thing <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that a shy is probably literally a city of the dead. I think it makes the most sense to me with the magic and all that kind of stuff. So there we go. Calm down, Bernie. <laughs> I put it on. <laughs> no need to shout at me. What do the faceless men think of a shy? I doubt they've ever been there. There we go. Gandalf hat. I, I actually need to get a haircut, though. I wonder if this is still going to fit on my head without the massive amount of hair that's holding it up. A zombie Disneyland. Yeah, sure. Like, where would you go if you actually were undead? Like, let's say you're somebody that has beaten death, but you live in George's world, so you don't get to look young forever. So you keep living, everyone's dead around you, and you just, like, keep getting older. Shy seems like a good place. That's my headcanon, though. We don't really know why they wear the masks. That would make a lot of sense to me. It'd be a practical thing. Uvo Zod in the chat says, I thought they obscured their faces to protect from a shadow binder attack since they need to know your face for to work i don't remember that part is that true i don't remember that in the books then again who knows yeah so no children no animals i'm guessing no animals live because they very quickly get turned into meat and killed um to feed whoever's there do fire whites age says guilty undertaker a good question that profood's daughter the big fan of the gray king would be able to answer if she's still hanging around while she's apparently moving <clears throat> so yeah shy doesn't seem like a cool place don't go to a shy. A shy by the shadow seems pretty goddamn terrible. So a shy also shows up in the history quite a lot. Basically, the idea is that all old arcane knowledge in some way has come from a shy we talked about it last week with the talking about valyria that one of the claims is that how valyria got its dragons was from knowledge from the shy who for some reason gave it to them we also have the idea of the the great empire of the dawn which is mentioned in the books that it was essentially like a worldwide civilization of magic and dragons and all that other cool stuff and that it fell and maybe it was centered in a shy at one time so it's like the last remnant of it in the real world that essentially shattered into pieces, which would make a lot of sense. As I talked about with the Valyria episode, with the Doom of Valyria episode, George is in love with the idea of interregnums or basically the time in between fallen empires. One rises, one falls, whatever's left limps on for a while. And then you end up with like a hodgepodge of little colonies and cities across the world, which is basically what we have here. It's Thousand Worlds. Sci-fi content is basically the same thing. I'm guessing that if you wanted to make a comparison between the Great Empire of the Dawn and the Thousand Worlds, it would be like the Federal Empire of, of the Man Realm, which then apart and now all the different worlds are essentially independent and you kind of see that here when you look at the world map and you look at as far as the great empire went yeah more or less the same thing it was a magical federal empire uh, they're also mentioned as being a part actually the birthplace of the red priests that the story of azora high and his flaming sword was apparently one of the stories is it happened in a shy and that's where the darkness fell therefore the light of relore rises to defeat it and it moved 
moved out from east to west, which may explain why Melisandre ended up there. It appears to be the birthplace of the Reloric religion, or at least some of the legends around it. It's hard to tell because when you talk about all these really old legends, George has essentially localized them for every culture. They all say they were the ones that had the mythical hero. They were the ones that had the, that, that was where the long night fell the hardest, however many long nights there were, that kind of thing. So it's hard to take them seriously, but Ashai is basically meant to be the oldest, the oldest, the oldest one. So... It's kind of like the re- the remains of Numenor, kind of. Actually, Guilty Ontario was making that point. Grandpire of the Dawn is Westerosi Numenor, or perhaps the first elves. Yeah, basically. It was the, the Numeronians before they fell and became the Edain and then became the Gondor and all that other kind of stuff. Basically, every yeah, every culture in the world thinks that they had the hero with their cool sword or they chased away the darkness or whatever. It's quite possible it all actually was centered in a shy. That's basically whenever it's mentioned, like even that opening quote I talked talked about where Danny was like why should I go to a shy what's there and Quaith says truth that may be that may be true that somewhere in the lost halls of a shy in those sorcerers halls and their temples that maybe there is like an actual record of the first long night or one of the long nights and like a historical record of what happened one thing that's that's very strange about it is that even though it's it's not like it's centered in a particularly great place like you don't think when you look at the map of Essos itself, the place that looks like the the logical place for like a center of a continent wide civilization to come up would probably be in or in Yt or or honestly Karth because they there's a natural bay around them. We have the Jade Sea. You have a lot of lush jungle and farmland and that kind of stuff you have before the ghost grass in, uh, intruded the lands to the north were pretty fertile before they became the red li- the wet waste but when you look at the shadowlands in a shy apparently it's been desert above it the whole way like it sounds like a terrible place like above it is basically the himalayas but then again if you're thinking about a shy essentially as india and it makes a little bit more sense about why it would be kind of like a cradle of civilization. Who's who's handling melons? What? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> yes, every right, Isabella. Every culture thinks they are the chosen, the chosen people. Correct. That is basically the story of mythical hero, insert name here, throughout Western throughout George's mythology and legends. They're basically, they all think it. The wed waste. Did I say wed waste? Oh my god. Slip of the tongue. Yeah, the red waste used to be quite lush it used to be pretty great the cities there that are now named like vase talora and all those things used to be bustling trade cities north of karth i would guess that karth and yt just based on like the geography will probably be where the center of the great empire would be but a shy size really lends it to the idea that yeah maybe that's where it was centered it had to be so many people that it would be like there's no reason for george to insert a city that big if it wasn't the center of some fallen empire although one of my favorite things about when you look at history within the I mean, the long history of uh, Song of Ice and Fire is that it's basically a never ending cycle of empire rises, empire falls, empire rises, empire falls. So there is a good chance that like Shai had been the capital for multiple empires that that came from there multiple kingdoms that ruled from that city and it got built up over time so the size of it implies that until the shadow in the shadowlands fell fell over stigai that perhaps it just kept being kept being reused by new empires and kingdoms that rose basically so let's talk about who's been to a shy because this is a crazy goddamn place 
Nobody would go there, right? Well, few people have gone there. The first person we hear about is, well, not the first person in the story, but one of them is Marwin the Mish. Uh, we talked about him in a stream a couple months ago. Marwin took a great journey around the known world. He essentially was pulling a, what's his name? He was pulling a Lomas Longstrider. He just wanted to see all the cool things in the world. So during his travels, he ended up making all the way east, all the way east. He made it as far as you can go. He made it to he made it to a shy. Oh, I missed a uh, PayPal super chat from no message just from June. Thank you very much, June. Appreciate the ten dollars. Uh, yes, Amanda Seedlands has a theory about the Silver Sea, a dried up sea in the middle of Essos. Makes a lot of sense. So yeah, Marwin has been there. He studied magics and everything he could. He even took on students while he was there, which is a little strange. Which implies that he was not in, in a shy for like a day trip, but he stood there for quite a while. I think it's quite clear that you're supposed to understand from Marwin that going to a shy. Is is what convinced him that magic and dragons and all those things were were real in the world and that the skepticism of the citadel was wrong because it all is real in a shy there are actual sorcerers and wizards and shadow binders and all their powers are real and they're there so arwen saw them close up so you can imagine when he came back to westeros and he was telling the members of the citadel about all the crazy stuff they said and they went like mm. I don't know, Marwin. That sounds a little crazy. When he's seen with his own eyes, he knows they're wrong. And that's kind of where you get the idea of them being like gray sheep. They don't know the truth, that kind of thing. He also came back a little bit, a little bit stranger and he seemed to have come back with a purpose in his life. Like he came back and then rose to become Archmaster of Magic. So it wasn't like it broke his mind. It seemingly convinced him of some greater purpose in his life that when Danny birthed the dragons again, he said, aha, this is what I need to do. And, and ended up like, fucking off to Essos to go find her, basically. One thing that I wonder about Marwin is we know that the Ashai people all wear those red lacquer masks. I wonder if he came back and noticed the Citadel with the Archmaesters wearing their masks and thought there might be some kind of connection to them. Not, re not really sure, but we know that Old Town has been a center of knowledge for thousands of years, just like Ashai. So maybe there's some uh, ancient connection there between Paramir, the Twisted, and the Ashai people. It says there's necromancers there. Necromancers are banned in Old Town. Hmm. Wonder what that means. <laughs> so yes, Marwin is right. Magic, magic is back. Magic has always existed, but he's failing to convince people, basically. And he's taking it up that they're against him which you know he just doesn't have the evidence to prove it to him it's one thing to like this happens in a song of ice and fire where characters don't believe things until it's in front of them like we talked about this with the thoros and mir stream he's like i don't think the red god's real and then he brought back to life barrack and he's like shit yeah it is yeah this is real <laughs> another person that has been to a shy within the story is uh miri mazdur this is the infamous god's wife i think is her title from the Lazarine town that the Dothraki sack for Daenerys. She's the infamous character who's sometimes seen as villainous, sometimes seen as like, uh, well, Danny sees her as villainous and that's kind of the framing you get to for it. But she's also the survivor of the total destruction of her home. And Danny's talking about how she's going to give birth to a great hero that let the Dothraki destroy the rest of the world. And it's like, is she evil? I don't really know. I think she's evil. And she's kind of responding to a great awfulness done to her. But anyway, um, uh, Miri Mazdor went to a shy as a young woman to learn to become a shadow binder. Interesting information there that her initial idea is that she wanted to become a shadow binder. But then she went on and learned quite a, other, a lot of other things. Apparently, you can get a full education in a shy. She learned the birthing songs of the moon singers. She learned 
herb lore of the Dothraki. Interesting. And then also she learned the Westerosi healing methods from none other than Marwin the Mage. Marwin first shows up when Miri talks about him. So she's apparently a shadow binder, but also a healer. And it kind of makes sense when you look back at that the whole scene with the tent and the shadows and demons or whatever that are on the tent. And there's like crazy things going on within it when Danny tells her to bring back Drogo from the lands of the dead. It's seems like it kind of implies that there might be a lot more to shadow binding than how Melisandre uses it that maybe you can do more with it than just send out assassins to go kill people <laughs> at least that's the implication and this those all showed up long before Melisandre did so maybe something to look out for that George appears to want to want to expand what's going on with a shy shadow binding and he specifically says that the no we haven't hit 175 likes so no no germ hat that maybe shadow binding and Melisandre's power will be expanded as the stories go on. Miri, Mazbo- Miri Mazdor apparently used her shadow magic in a very different way than we've seen Melisandre. So there's something there. Uh, the other character is obviously Melisandre. She's introduced as Melisandre of Ashai. It's unclear if that's because she's from Ashai. Is she an Ashai person? Like, was she born there? Which would be weird because there's no children in Ashai. Or is this because she went to Ashai and lived there for quite a long time? She's a strange character because she appears to be quite old. So, and with her ability to use glamours and to change her appearance, maybe maybe Melisandre or Melanius, she's initially known, is grew up in Essos in Western Essos, maybe she's from Volantis because she gets sold in a slave auction to the Red Temple, basically. Maybe she's from there and then went to a shy, learned how to put on a glamour and came back as a different person. That's quite possible when you can change your appearance. It'd be very easy to fake your identity. It's not like anybody's running around with a driver's licenses and social security cards back then. Change where you look like you are a new person. Take it from uh, Blood Raven and Maynard Plum. But it is possible that her name from a shy, Melisandre of a shy means that she was born there. Not really clear. It's the fact that she was sold in slavery as a young girl also does not in any way say like one way or the other because everything's legal in a shy, including child slavery. So could go either way on that one. She apparently, this is apparently where she learned her shadow binding, the mysterious magic that produced these, what the fandom calls the shadow babies that killed Renly Baratheon, Sir Courtney Penrose. So shadow binding appears to be the primary super magical thing you can do in a shy. The shadow binders are fearless they're the ones that are willing to go even outside the walls of a shy apparently they can fight or find the shadows in some way that's what the name suggests it's it is quite curious though that melisandra is a red priestess and a shadow binder they don't we i don't think we've met any other red members of the red priests who have another like lore of magic that they know how to use basically but also melisandra's on her own in every way she doesn't appear to it doesn't appear to have any sort of affiliation back with the red temple benero doesn't appear to be telling her what to do she's kind of like a solo red priestess out there nobody else with her oh germ hat time germ hat time thank you guys for slamming that oven like button there we go <laughs> a little bit more snug on the old dome there karth is no inland river does it i don't remember i don't think so i think karth is just a a port on the karthine strait so that is something very strange about melisandre and it kind of lends to the idea that yeah, maybe she actually is from a shy. Maybe she learned shadow binding first and then became a red priestess. But although the memory kind of goes the other way, people are usually are sold into slavery and become red priests, except for Thoros of Mir. There's so many exceptions 
I don't really know. If I had to guess that she became a Red Priestess first and then went to a Shide and learned to become a Shadowbinder, much in the way Mary Mazdor did. The strange thing about it is that even though she's called Melisandre of a Shide and everyone associates her with a Shide itself, in her chapters and where she appears on the page, she doesn't talk about it much. The city that she takes her name from just isn't a thing she talks about very much. In her own POV, it only comes up a few times. And the main way that it comes up is that she notes that her her magic is stronger at the wall than in a shy, but it was still strong in a shy, implying that maybe a shy used to be is a hinge of the world or a magical city or a magical place in some way, much like the wall, which would make a lot of sense. Like perhaps the reason that all these crazy sorcerers from the world congregate there is because all their magic works better there. I talked about this in a video a while back about Bran, the Weirwood King, I think. The idea of like locuses of power or like wells of magic, basically. Basically. So, yeah, th that does tell us something interesting about Ashai that it is more magically powerful. The other thing that she says is that they essentially the sorcerers taught her to be a better showman, basically, that when she performs her her magics and her little tricks and her powders and whatever, they essentially told her to make it look effortless when she does it, that it will make it look more impressive than if she struggled trying to do it. And that's that's really all she says about it. Gurm has said that we'll never go to a shy in the books, but Melisandre may remember it. That since she is a POV, that is one way for him to sneak the city that is so far in the Eastern realm that it will never be visited. He could sneak it onto a page through her memories. I guess we would probably get the answer to where was she born and why did she go to Ashai and in which order did her life go would probably come from that POV. So we'll get back to the Q&A here from Amora Lee from the beginning from her super chat. She said, I believe that Gurma say Melisandre is a misunderstood character. Why is that? How do you think her story arc will end in the last two books? Will it be similar to the show or do you see a different ending for her? So one thing about Melisandre is that much like Marwyn, she's quite different from other characters in the world because having studied and become a shadow binder within a shy like you can see the reloric magic is kind of like maybe it's a little bullshit like did you actually see that thing in the flame like kind of maybe but there's no way to fake the idea that you're giving birth to a shadow which can kill people so melisandra in one of the ways she's uh, definitely misunderstood by other characters and honestly by the readers which is the main reason that she ended up getting a pov is that there's so many characters that are doubters of magic and fantasy within the song of ice and fire that melisandre kind of comes off as a hack and in some ways she is like she uses like weird powders that are sewed into her sewed into her gown and she has a whole bunch of like non-magical tricks but she does have real ones and she's seen all these different sorcerers she's seen their spells she knows what they can do so she lives within a very different perspective from other characters that she does she has a perception of an unseen world that none of them do and in that way she is quite misunderstood i mean like even Tyrion, who's supposed to be like one of the most insightful knowledgeable characters in the books definitely the most knowledgeable insightful pov he basically thinks that magic is bullshit well it's like melisandre shows up and you're supposed to i think the reader over time has gotten the idea that it's all made up that she doesn't know what she's doing well no all this information about a shy and the stuff in her pov kind of points back to she does know some sort of unknown truths the rest of them don't that she's tapped into something different how do i think her story arc will end in the last two books that's a tough one i'm guess i'm guessing she's gonna make it to the end i think i talked about this with radio westeros i was on a stream of theirs talking about melisandre in the winds of winter i think she'll probably get two to three chapters uh, she's definitely gonna be involved with the burning of Sh 
Shireen, the fallout to do with that, and maybe the wall falling. She seems to be very insistent that she wants to be near the wall. And for the others to get by, it has to fall. Therefore, Melisandre has some connection to that. But the one thing about her story in Game of Thrones, a TV show that I don't think was far off, is that although Melisandre thinks she knows a lot about like the truth behind the world and the magic and what's going on with her lore, I think there probably will be some moment like actually facing the others and seeing what they can do and her failures, especially with the burning of Shireen Baratheon, that will get her to take more perspective on her role in all this. The idea that she kind of drops the power seeking aspects of her character and more leans into the leans into the kind of the ghost of high heart school of thought where she's not trying to bend future the way she wants she's just trying to follow it will probably be i imagine that's probably where her story is going to go although it would be interesting if she does end up make it to the end and then drops her glamour and she basically looks like the ghost of a high heart that'd be kind of funny but i could see her living out the rest of her life just dropping the entire melisandre idea and going back to being melanie but thank you for the question, Maura. And the fourth person that we know has, well, we don't know he's been to a shy, but he says he's been to a shy, and that is good old Euron Greyjoy, the guy who boasts that he's been everywhere. There's nowhere he hasn't been, man. He's gone to every magical, crazy place, and they were all scared of him. They all really liked Euron. That's basically his. That's basically what he says about everything. Or they feared him. One of the two. One problem with Euron making the boast that he's been to a shy and back is that it apparently takes years to make a round trip to a shy and come back to West. Well, no one's I don't think there I'm not sure there's enough time within his banishing to go to a shy and come back and do all the other things he claimed to have done. And it's not like anybody's gonna call him on it. There's nobody from a shy in Westeros, so he could say it. Nobody knows. He brags about it quite a lot. One quote here is from Euron. He says, Only one living Kraken has ever known defeat. Only one has never has never known defeat. Only one has never bent his knee. Only one has shelled has sailed to a shy by the shadow and seen wonders and terrors beyond imagining. And then Carl the Maid says, if you like the shadow so well, go back there. Whoops, that one didn't go. Uh, this is another one where he's talking to Aaron Dampere. He says, godless, why Aaron, I am the godliest man to ever raise sail. You serve one god, Dampere, but I serve 10,000 from Ib to Ashai. When men see, see my sails, they pray. And then Asha Greyjoy also burns him and says, Oh, Crow's Eye, did you leave your wits in a shy? So this is actually one boast that he makes that never lands. He boasts about going to Valyria. He boasts about how having walking on it. And except for uh, Roderick the Reader, everyone just kind of goes like, oh, shit, maybe he did. Did he actually go to Valyria? Nobody believes him that he's been to a shy. So I don't know if he's ever actually been there. You would have to probably say more about it. But I don't even we know so little about it as a reader that I don't even know how we would how you would check that. But yeah, George has, George has deliberately set it up so everybody everybody that hears Euron talk about a shy essentially just laughs in his face and says, no way have you been there and come back alive, which kind of makes sense. It's sort of, it, it's it's a big boast. Like not even Loma's Longstrider made it there. Oh, uh, good question here from uh, your last great night, $10. Thank you so much. Apologies if you already talked about this, but what do you think that Alyssa Farman actually made to a shy? And do you think we'll hear of Corlys' adventures there? So at the end of Alyssa Farman's story, she goes off with Sun Chaser into the West, basically. Her her ship. And she's never heard of from again. But I I believe it's Coralise, right? Coralise Valarion, he made it to Shy. Let me just double check this real fast before I say it. During his nine voyages, did he go there? Yes, he went to a Shy in a second voyage. So Coralise Valarion sailed all the way to a Shy, and he claims that in the docks, 
he saw Alyssa Fireman's famous ship, Sun Chaser, moored. Now, it's unclear if he ever found Alyssa. The time scale would be a little bit, she'd be quite old if she was still alive when Coralise made it. So, but the thing about ships is they usually outlive their own. But the one thing about Sun Chaser and Alyssa Farman is after they leave Westeros and go west, they're never seen again. They they do not show up again. No sailors ever seen it. And it's a distinctive ship. It was uh, custom made for her. So the fact that she's never seen again implies two things. That she made it to whatever is west of Westeros. Either she made it all the way to across the globe and made it to Ashai itself or she died in the voyage. But just because... The ship made it doesn't mean Alyssa did. She could very well have lost the ship to pirates, that kind of thing. Although there is a fun theory that goes around that that Quaith is Alyssa Farman. She essentially made her way to a shy and learned how to beat on death. And now she's running around with, with, a, with a red lacquer mask on. because She's like old as Melisandre at this point. I have I have more confidence that Sun Chaser could, could have made it to a shy than Alyssa herself. Because yeah, you can sail a ship after the initial owner's dead. That's definitely not a problem. <laughs> very very possible although as a fan of Alyssa Fireman's story and her as a character for me I would love it if she actually made it all the way to a shy but thanks for the question appreciate it do you th- oh do you think we'll ever hear of Corlys adventures there uh, probably they are planning on doing a tv show about Corlys Velaryon in particular that's one of the prequel shows that's going to be coming out after House of the Dragon or at least it's in pre-production at this point so it's quite possible that he could see a shy through uh Corlys's tv show so one thing I wanted to talk about with with a shy and i briefly touched on this in the doom of Lyria stream last week and that is basically that it appears that whatever the shadowlands used to be that essentially they had their own doom ball on them that there was some kind of magical or real life cataclysm that happened and it basically ended whatever was there with the doom of Lyria, we know it was 14 volcanoes that exploded so could a similar thing have happened over here we know that fire mages are basically in every culture wherever there are mages there are fire mages i doubt the valyrians got their idea to hold back volcanoes and use dragons on their own and in the ancient lore of ashai apparently they did know how to tame dragons and there's every kind of magician there so sure why not when you look at Stigai and you look at the River Ash and the fact that it's always in shadow, one thing that people go to is perhaps there was also a massive volcanic eruption somewhere in the Shadowlands and it has essentially never stopped erupting. And the the blackness of the water and the darkness is essentially from a never-ending burning volcano, like a truly massive one. Nobody would ever know anyway because nobody goes into the Shadowlands. I think that's I think that's a fairly logical idea. I think it makes... It makes some good sense. One thing that goes against it, though, is that if there was a massive volcano in the Shadowlands, you think they would have mentioned it? Like George would have mentioned it in the world book, but you never know. He didn't have a lot of space for this kind of stuff. We don't really know that much about it. We don't. You only get a few sentences here and there describing it. So perhaps, perhaps in a future book or maybe an expansion of the world of ice and fire or something in fire and blood, maybe we'll hear about the volcanoes in the Shadowlands or something like that. But it is an interesting connection, especially because it seems like Valyria is in some way an offshoot, or at least it's it's connected connected to a shy so it would it would make sense in sort of a wheel of time way another one of uh, george's series that he really really loves he loves the wheel of time that if the same thing that happened to Valyria happened to the Ashai people, and it just sort of kept going and going and going. That every time these uh, magical civilizations go too far, 
they end up trying to push the envelope a little bit too much and it literally blows up in their face. But we talked about earlier the idea that like this is something like Mordor or uh, something from Lovecraft's world. It could be a mixture of all of them. George loves mixing influences and ideas. So I think but that is my my tinfoil, my my headcanon that the Shadowlands and the shadow that is by a shy is essentially the first doom that there's been multiple of them. And the fact that since we know the second that the doom of Illyria is volcanic, why not the same kind of thing? That'd be my that'd be my guess. But there's not a lot there. I mean, the Ash River, it implies that maybe it's full of ash, which you would get from volcanoes. But I don't really know. I don't think ash that lands in water makes it glow green. So there's something else going on. <laughs> well, there's literally something magical. So I'm not sure if we'll ever figure it out. Maybe Melisandre will think about it. That's a, that's a sneaky thing to think of, to hope for for the winds of winter. More information about a shy from Melisandre if you care about this stuff. I mean, like that's one of the things about when you talk about this part of the world, it's it's not going to come up. Like the only way this is going to be important is just like some minor world building. Nobody's going there. There's not going to be a mass migration of shadow binders with their with an army of red lacquer masks showing up to fight the long night like whatever this is it's it's basically just like nerdy curiosity radioactive volcano there you go adrian birchall sure why not maybe it's like a demonic volcano who knows there's so much weird shit out in eastern essos that like almost nothing's off the table rosanante says if there are powerful sorcerers dragon riders shadow binders in a shy how come they never ventured west to control more territory, give them more subjects for their magic? They probably did in the past before the shadow fell. But as I said, there's no food, there's no water. And this is like the same problem that Stannis had when he tried to convince the Iron Bank. Like, you need to give me like troops. You need to give me money so I can win this war. And they're like, okay, what? how much how much food does Dragonstone produce? And essentially, no, not moon meteors. God help us, never moon meteors. How much food does Dragonstone produce? None. How much food does a shy produce? None. All right, so they're unlikely to extend their, what little territory they have at this point. Yeah, I hope House of the Dragon has magic in it too. That'd be pretty sweet. So one thing I talked about before the stream started, especially on Twitter, I told people you should go read The Stone City, a short story by George R.R. R. Martin. I don't know how many of you did. Actually, let's do a show hands press one if you've read the stone city two if you've if you've never uh read it see how many of you actually got there it's not actually that long i think it's like 20 pages you can it's in the dream songs i've got my old battered copy here dream songs volume one a lot of good stuff in that i'm guessing not that many people have read the stone city it's a it's a pretty obscure one even in george's canning it just happens to be very relevant when we're talking about a shy so <laughs> a lot of twos that's kind of what i thought yep Okay, so I'm going to do a brief overview of what that short story is. So it's essentially about a character named uh, Michael Holt, who him with his crew, the Unicorn or the Pegasus, I think. I think it's the Pegasus essentially winds up on this alien's planet called cross worlds they also call it gray rest they call it something else it's essentially a a gigantic mostly empty stone city and it, it has all the same setup here as a shy it's it's truly massive whoever built it is gone the rest of the, the rest of the planet is basically uninhabitable the only thing that's out there is weird white grass that you can't use hey sounds like ghost grass and like plagued water you can't drink again this sounds like a shy by the shadow the city itself is totally spooky this is also a sci-fi story by the way so the city itself is spooky the builders whoever made it are unknown they've been gone for tens of thousands of years and next to the stone city 
a spaceport was put up by an alien species and kind of like a bunch of shanties and and slums basically around it. But the problem is that people touch down on cross worlds and basically don't leave. Like their ships stop working. Time works different. Like people regularly lose track of time while they're there. One of the characters thinks he's been working on a map of the Stone City for like a week. And one of the other characters says, no, it's been like a year you've been doing this. And it's like the same sort of thing, but it's got a very similar setup to what we're talking about a shy. So you have the empty parts of a shy. It said that only a tenth of it is occupied, essentially a small market city. And then you look at the stone city and you have basically the same exact thing. There's a weird little market city on the outskirts of it that has a spaceport and like not really anything resembling. There's no government. There's no laws. There's a bunch of mingled aliens from all across the uh, thousand worlds that live there. It's essentially on the verge of collapse at all times. The only reason it doesn't is because this weird species of foxes import food and then these it to sell to the other people. But there's no no reason there's no understanding of why they did it oh uh, mikey chrysler says what's the thousand worlds universe so before george R. R. martin wrote a song of ice and fire he wrote obviously a lot of other stories and books and one of the things he wrote is a large sci-fi universe called the thousand worlds he has a whole bunch of different stories that take place in it the stone city is one of them you can essentially think of it like i was talking about it's like a sci-fi version of like the fall of leary or the fall of the great empire of the dawn there was a massive human empire they were fighting some aliens it collapsed on itself and now there's just like scattered colonies all throughout the universe so yeah basically we see the same setup from the stone city to a shy yeah barren wasteland no food there's walls even though there's nothing else out there there's no other cities on this planet there's no reason to have walls but they have them anyway there's very dangerous aliens like magic users basically there's strange things that nobody understands about the stone city and that's kind of a running motif throughout the story the character Holt basically doesn't understand anything that's going on. Aliens make no sense to him. The city doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and just like Melisandre said with the, the idea that her magic works better in a shy, there's apparently the laws of physics are different in the stone city. And there's also like longer you're there, the more like your memory starts to fade and everyone that's there starts to go like slightly crazy. Essentially, the crew that Holt came to the planet with, a bunch of them disappeared. Some of them committed suicide aside some of them essentially have sold their bodies to the aliens for like eggs and also sex don't sell your body for eggs to be like to be an incubator for eggs for alien species holt and this guy jeff not that jeff are the only two that have sort of kept their minds but jeff has been essentially mapping the stone city to keep the people in says guilty undertaker it's it doesn't seem to because you're free to go wherever basically wherever you want except to the spaceport which is controlled by the weird fox things but the part that that really resonates with a shy itself is that as the story goes on holt ends up killing one of the fox things and he's pretty sure they're going to execute him in revenge so he actually runs into the stone city where nobody goes none of the aliens venture into it and as he starts going down through the city and he goes into the underground passages and he finds his way through like essentially a labyrinth underneath it like reality itself starts like breaking down in weird ways he sees like visions of his old crew members that are long gone he sees visions of some of the fox things killing other aliens he sees visions of creatures and aliens he's never seen before and eventually he gets down to he gets down to the center i don't even know what to describe it a center a central hallway or just a center hall where these these massive doorways lining the edges and coming in and out of them whoop, 
sorry, didn't mean to punch that. Coming in and out of them are basically aliens and humans like walking through them from one to the other and they don't really notice each other and the character Holt walks through one of them and after seeing visions of places he knows and like his old house from his the planet he's from he walks through one of these doors and ends up basically on another planet that if that a crewmate of his told him about and the idea George it's not actually that elegant because at the end he has to put in a paragraph to explain what happened essentially the stone city at the center of it is a bunch of wormholes that go to different places in time and space so you walk through one and you can go anywhere in the galaxy basically oh the book Mikey Kizzles, the book is called Dream Songs by George R. R. Martin. There's two volumes. Volume one has Stone City, but both of them are pretty good. So this is, I was kind of wondering about a shy, and this is kind of the tinfoil of it. So when you're looking at the, just how close the setups are and the way the populations behave and how it's like a dying city and all these other kind of things, it kind of makes you wonder after reading the story, is there more below a shy than there is above? Is there, are there labyrinths beneath it? Because there's tunnels and shit like that all throughout the rest of planetos underneath winterfell there's the giant the giant crypts there's tunnels for the children of the forest cashley rock is essentially a giant labyrinth itself the undying basically have a similar sort of thing going on so maybe that's what's going on here maybe ashai is essentially like the stone city but transposed into westeros and down underneath the reason there's no people is that they essentially like maybe there's like a bunch of portals or wormholes down there like he wrote about in the story that's essentially the ending of, of the stone city the impression you're supposed to get is that the reason there's no one there is because the original builders built the this wormhole system beneath it and left the planet and they went out to do whatever they wanted they they essentially just use it as a transportation hub so that'd be kind of that's very very tinfoil but the the connections between them kind of suggest that maybe in george's head there are tunnels beneath a shy and maybe there's like secret magics down there in the same sort of way because he does he repeats ideas over and over again like if you go and read actually if you read in dream songs you read one of his first stories a song for leah there's a creature called the Fishka, i think they're called that are essentially the weirwoods but but instead of being trees, it's like a weird fungus thing. So, you know, he reuses ideas. Skin changing shows up in a bunch of his other stories. So does psychic powers, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, if you want if you want to go read like a story that probably takes place in an Ashai analog, go read The Stone City. You'll probably learn quite a lot about it. Oh, thank you, Bernie, for dropping the link in the chat. If you guys want to check out Dream Songs, it's honestly worth it. It's not just a collection of his short stories. It's also a collection he writes about his own life. So uses some of his short stories and novellas essentially as a way of telling his, his autobiography. So it's kind of cool. Could they just blow a fuse? Maybe. Uh, are the wormholes one way, says Mr. Maester Thomas. In Dream in Stone City, they are not one way. Character, uh, you can go in and out of them, essentially. Kind of wild, but fun. It's not really, it's not that good of a story. Honestly, it's not one of his best, but it's really interesting in this context, I think. But basically, Ashai, the Stone City. I was thinking about titling the stream that, but nobody will get the reference because as I, as you guys prove, nobody's read it. So reading George's old works are basically very interesting for that kind of stuff. Like if you want to read a story that has a lot to do with skin changing and like all that other kind of stuff, it's called, oh God, what's it called? I was just thinking about it. Let me look this up. It's going to be Into the Lost Lands. In the Lost Lands, that story is basically, you could, you could very easily imagine that it takes place 
in a song of ice and fire if you wanted to it's a fantasy universe skin changing exists but in a different sense it makes sense it explains the stories about why the boltons have been said that they skin the starks it like it all comes up but yeah check it out they're good stuff let's see here oh we've gone over by a little bit we got some questions here i wanted to answer but uh, and from patrons and uh, patron slack and stuff like that and then we'll get out of here so oh thank you you guys slammed the like button to 200 likes i don't have anything planned for today so i'm just gonna say thank you is that why daenerys should travel east to go west yeah maybe there's wormholes underneath a shy that if you go there it will transport you to westeros boom nailed it or maybe there's tunnels that go all the way from a shy to westeros that's one of the um, uh, glass table girls from uh girls gone canon that's one of her favorite theories that all the tunnels in in song of ice and fire are connected so i answered this one for more lee about the children why does did that one i answered these already all the magical she asks are all the magical skills spells cast by shadow binders no george mentions quite a lot of different magic so apparently there's not just fire magic and blood magic there's also wind and water magic so i guess this is avatar the last airbender <laughs> before you smoke the ghost grass luminous rain don't smoke the ghost grass because then you will die yeah glass flower has uh skin changing it's actually the glass flower is like a much less horrible version of veramir's chapter although it is kind of horrible still it's not good but it's i think it's better written oh thank you for the super chat morally a pear-shaped thank you appreciate it i answered these ones about melisandre uh let's grab this one from eric f a shy is usually dark and seems lawless and no prohibitions on magic but many of the practitioners hide behind masks darken curtains and only perform their spells at night why all the unnecessary hiding i said the theory i think early on that i think that it's a shy is primarily populated by like the undead that's my tinfoil theory but there's another one like oftentimes in magic there's an idea of like true names and that kind of thing that if you know a demon's true name you can defeat it or get it to to do what you want maybe george is playing it on that in some way people that think incorrectly that a song of ice and fire is sci-fi tend to think that maybe these masks are like space suits or something crazy like that i don't think so i think it, if there's no particular reason it could just be that it adds to the mystery i guess it makes them seem weird like definitely one of the things that makes people think quaith is very strange is her red lacquer mask so who knows but yeah I, I think it's literally to disguise like the fact that a lot of them are basically undead wizards kind of like the undying of karth they're just in a different place how long ago did mel learn shadow binding how old is she what does her true form look like the show made it seem like she's god like 90 to 100 years old but maybe a lot older i think clarice van houten has houten houten Clarice van houten i think they pronounce it i said that i think that melisandre's like three or four hundred years old i don't really know but she seems to be quite old she wears a glamour to essentially look like an ethereal being that's not really what she looks like so george has not really set an upper limit on how long people can live in his world on death and like essentially zombies are seemingly forever the story of the gray king essentially as the gray king living thousands of years until he gets bored of life and walks into the sea so i don't think there's any telling how old melisandre is the slave trade has been around for at least since the rise of the giscari and the valyrian empire and probably older based on a shy so i don't i don't know if you could even date how old she would possibly be what does her true form look like I've always liked the idea that she looks like the ghost of High Heart. Oh, thank you for the super chat, Lemmy B, $10. Thank you for the great stream as always. Thank you, Lemmy. Oh, there we go. I think I just failed at tipping my hat. <laughs> My mind might be broken. Another one here from Eric. Is there a relationship between the worship of the Rig God and Shadowbind and Ashai? Is Bell the only red piece red priest getting such training? Was it authorized? So the connection is that supposedly 
the faith of reward started in a shy and it started with the with Azorahai that their belief structure that Azorahai will come again came out of apparently this city the idea of the shadow certainly implies the idea that something horribly magic happened there once so it's not off base to wonder that but the red god and the worship of lore apparently has abandoned the far east and has moved west and settled in in the former valyrian colonies for the most part which does happen i mean if you're a follower of christianity you are and you live in the u.s you could not be further from where that religion started at this point so that kind of thing happens over time mel is the only shadow binder i know of that's a red priest makoro he doesn't display any weird powers other than healing victorian's hand but i don't think that's shadow binding thoros has shown the ability of resurrection but i'm pretty sure that's not shadow binding Panero, no so unless a new character shows up that knows another kind of magic alessandra appears to be unique she and was it authorized was the other question from eric i don't think melisandre gives a shit about authorization she seems to do what she wants at all times she has no help from the red temple from what we've seen like thoros got money I don't think Melisandre's getting anything from them. She seems to be kind of a radical figure. With Mr. Maester Thomas, if there are two way wormholes in Plantos, the Danny could get there back and forth. Yeah, in theory, if that's what's underneath the Shy, if it's like the Stone City and there's like wormholes that go over the plant, then yeah, that would actually make it really, really powerful if that's truly what's underneath there and maybe inform why it used to be the hub of the world. Like in the same way that glass candles and dragons are game changers, the ability to just teleport around the world would be a game changing magic, one that George likes playing with. So I would not be that shocked. Oh yeah, Australia. Good call, Jasper. Yeah, if you're a Christian in Australia, you are quite far from the birth place of your religion so the fact that relorism started in a shine it's basically no longer there it's not that strange it happens all the time Let's see here question here from guilty undertaker uh, he asked in the patron slack he said could a shy be a glimpse into westeros's possible future a world where children and all else that is good in life has been sacrificed for power so yeah that's kind of the idea of comparing uh, a shy to the undying in the way that it was like these old undead sorcerer things that were essentially going trying to eat danny or like eat her power or her magic or something like that the idea of blood magic and the sacrificing of the young to keep healthy adults is very much a horrifying future but one that george is clearly referencing here i hope it's not a, get a glimpse into westeros's possible future that would be a pretty grim future but then again that's basically what blood raven is a shy and blood raven the children of the forest seem like i did the same thing although that is definitely what the others do the others are essentially they do not reproduce they don't have children they don't they don't create food they don't need water they just acquire power and use slaves so you could see i think i think that's like maybe the more direct parallel what the others are trying to create is essentially what a shy is hyper magic used to uphold basically immortal beings using slaves oh yeah yikes oh good call john he says the men from lang in stories have masks and our monsters underneath yeah okay that's a great call that's that may be what the masks are referencing then wormholes are too weird for a song of ice and fire the weirdness is never fades george you'd think anything you think is too weird has probably showed up in one of george's old stories those things are strange as hell there's like time travel you put on a literal skin and you turn into a werewolf there's a vampire that lives on a steamboat i think there's an author whose characters come to life and berate him there's uh in meat house man there's zombies slaves sort of made from real living people that you control with your mind like it, he goes nuts in those stories night flyers too is 
extraordinarily strange. Let's see, did I miss any other questions? Any last, uh, any last questions I missed? Anything I missed while I was talking? I throw them in the chat right now, at me bro, and we'll, I'm gonna see if I, I don't think I missed any. Tim sometimes sends them through Patreon for some reason. Greyways Tim, nope, you didn't do it. We're over a little bit anyway. Lofotin Forsake. This is how Urin was fast traveling to Westeros, portals in a shot. He solved it. That's how he did it. He dragged the silence into the underground of a shy and pushed it through and popped up at Pike. Nailed it. I wouldn't be shocked. It would be weird, but then so is the Song of Ice and Fire. Herb Coswell, is it possible Mel could be the child of Bloodraven and Shear Sea Star? Ah, yes, that's a that's a theory from Radio Westeros. Melanie Sea Star. Uh, the idea is that she has some, or at least her glamour has some physical similarities with Shear Sea Star and Bloodraven, in particular their coloring and the shape of her face, along with her high magic use, which Bloodraven and Shear are known for. So the idea is Bloodraven got Shear pregnant, and then during the Blackfire Rebellions, some reason she ended up in Essos, maybe running from Bittersteel, I'm not really quite sure why that 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 the, the reason for it is the thing that always gets me i don't know why she or a sea star and a child with blood raven would leave westeros that's the that's been always the hang-up but the rest of it seems pretty cool and seems like a solid theory otherwise i mean the proof is there the connection between blood raven and melisandre when she sees blood raven in the flames all, all the rest of it kind of works i just don't quite understand the shiera going to essos and then selling her daughter thing i don't i don't know why that would happen unless she was kidnapped or something as far as we know there's no record of what happened to Shira sea star presumably she's dead but who knows there's also theories that faith is Shira sea star and she's just lived this long not really sure egg sent sheer to a shy i didn't are you sure about that one i know he sent people to a shy i didn't know i didn't think it was Shira herself portals explained dario it's your own theory there we go we solved it portals underneath on underneath a shy are how Euron is pretending to be everybody. Let me look this up real fast. Quaith is everybody. True, true, Aaron. There's nobody Quaith isn't. She is all. You and I are Quaith. Everybody is Quaith. We are all Quaith. But Shira, I... Oh, got another super chat from uh, Book Club Dues. Thank you very much. I don't want to... Oh, this is the same one. Balance Beans, I'll just say that. Thank you so much for the uh, for the PayPal. Appreciate it. Shira kind of got the classic female character in A Song of Ice and Fire treatment where George never told us what happened to her and then got about it or just didn't write it and we have no idea what happened to her. So fill in the blank. Whatever you want, that's what happened to her because there's no record of it. But I think we're probably going to rack up here. I don't have a plan for next week's yet. I'll figure it out during the week, hopefully sooner. So I don't spring it on everybody. Hey, go read this obs obscure short story before I talk about a shy. Coming up next, my super secret project. And after that, a video about Danny and Stannis. That'll be interesting. I'm sure I will not get tons of hate for talking about two of the most fervent characters with the most fervent fan bases in the fandom. That won't be that bad. If you want to support me, you can also you can go to patreon.com slash Joe Magician. $5 level gets you access to patron only episodes like my analysis of Meat House Man, which I talked about earlier, along with uh, Sand Kings. And starting this month, we're going to be doing a read through of Dying of the Light, George's 1977 story within the Thousand Worlds. So if you're intrigued by the Thousand Worlds, uh, we're going to start talking about that a bit more. Uh, this month will be the introduction, basically, to the Thousand Worlds. 
because a lot of people don't really know it. So I'm going to explain it and then we'll get into the book itself. Also, at the $5 level, you get access to the uh, patron Slack where we talk about Harry Gold and my terrible taste in scotch and all the other fun things. So look out for that stuff as it's coming out. I'll be streaming next weekend, same time, 2 p.m. Um, Eastern Daylight Time, whatever time that is for you locally, same as this one. And oh, super chat here. Mana ASJ sends five Canadian dollars, I think. Missed most of the stream, but here now with money during a live stream. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's going to be it. I'm going to go sit in my chair and decompress for a little bit. I don't think Radio Westeros is streaming today. If they are, go check them out. They start at five normally. But yeah, 